You're listening to Street Life, a podcast about street photography with John St. and Mark Davidson. That's right, you're listening to Street Life. I'm Mark Davidson. Joining me, as always, the Sultan of Adelaide Street Photography, John St. How you doing, mate? I was the Duke, I was the King, and now I'm the Sultan. <laughs> you're everything. I don't know if I should be insulted you're a triple by threat. that comment. Oh, horrendous. <laughs> Dad joke number one right off the bat. Boom. Yeah. Okay. Well, today we've got a wonderful guest. We've got Gustavo Minas. He's an award-winning street photographer based in Brazil. Gustavo has been involved in numerous exhibitions and has had his work published in a number of books and numerous street photography publications. If he's not working on personal or commission projects, he's taking online workshops. And then if that wasn't enough, he's donating his time judging street photography competitions for Burn My Eye Collective. It gives me great pleasure to welcome Gustavo to the Street Life Podcast. Welcome, Gustavo. Thanks for joining us. Thanks a lot, guys, for the presentation. It's a pleasure to be here with you. And yeah. <laughs> Gustavo, it's an absolute privilege to be speaking with you. Your work has had a great influence on me. So um, let me start by asking you, where did you grow up and were you creative from a young age? Um, I grew up in Cassia, which is, a, which is a small town in the countryside of Brazil. It has like 18,000 inhabitants. So it's very, you know, a small really in Brazil it's very quiet and nothing really happens and then when I was 17 I went to university in a bigger city which is called Londrina and I studied journalism for four years and then after I finished the course and because we, we could not we could not work as interns during the university there was this regional law which prevented us from working as interns you know and though I had not, I didn't know what to do with my life, and we were all lost when the university finished, and we we had we had none, no professional experience at all. So me and my friends we decided to open a bar in the north of Brazil, in the northeast of Brazil. So we mm. spent six months in Maranhão, which <laughs> and we tried to do this, but of course this <laughs> never this didn't work, and so I was even more lost or lost or I don't know. When, when this experience finished and then, I don't know, my, my father just lent me some money. So I, I went to London for a gap year mm. and just working as a barman and as a waiter for one year and a half. And in London, I don't know, but of course, since university, I was very interested in photography. I learned the basics, you know, the darkroom techniques and just the basics of photography. I was always... And in London, I started to watch a lot of movies because there was this rental shop in Brick Lane, which you could just pay 15 pounds a month and you could rent as, as many movies as you could watch. So oh, yes. yeah. during the winter, it was a great. And of course, I just had to work at night. So I had the whole day free. So I watched a lot of movies at this time. Then I, I bought a mini TV cam and I started recording my everyday life about these are the origins of my street photography. I was very inspired by Godard movies and especially his late movies <laughs> from which I couldn't understand anything, but, but uh, I really enjoyed just watching the, 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 the images and getting stoned in the afternoons and just, you know. <laughs> so, yeah, and, and then I came back to Sao Paulo. I started working as a professional a professional journalist mm-hmm. in, a, in a popular newspaper because my friends were working in the same newspaper and then by that time i used to like to write a lot that was very 
to literature by the time. But then because I had to write professionally, this kind of killed my pleasure of writing. So I had to mm. find another, another way of expressing myself, another you know, hobby or something like this. So yeah, and then I decided to try photography again. And I enrolled in a year-long course with Carlos Moreira, which is like a Brazilian Cartier Bresson. He passed away mm -hmm. a couple of years ago. And then since this was 2009, and since then I've been you know, photographing almost every day. Yeah, so, I, I think he extended my answer. So, <laughs> no, no, that's fine. No, no, it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> I think it's really interesting for people to hear about how, because, um, you know, they just look at your work now and go, how did he become so good? You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Like, just, is he a born natural? So I think it's really important for people to know that there is a journey, mm -hmm. you know? And yeah, it starts... I started very late. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, everyone gets on the on the bus at... Oh. I don't want to use that pun because everyone gets on the bus at the different times, you know, different stops. And, you know, I think it's really important that people hear your journey, Gustavo. So um, you said that you were in London for a year and a half and you picked up a, a small yeah. video camera. So did you actually photograph London at all as a street photographer or not? Um, uh, and, yeah, and if you I, didn't, do you have any regrets I, spending all that time there or not? <laughs> Definitely. I wasn't aware of street photography at all. Mm -hmm. by, the, by the same time, Matt Stewart and, you know, all those public guys, they were doing, yeah. you know, that great job there. And I wasn't, I had no idea. Of course, internet, this was 2005. So, of course, mm -hmm. we didn't, you know, the information on the web was, we didn't have all this information. So, I do regret not having photographed it properly. I mean, I had some Lomo cams. They were very fashionable by the time, you know, the, the you know, mm -hmm. Lomography and those plastic cams, so I bought a couple of them there, and it was okay. I'll try fish eye, and I'll try multiple exposures, but you know, these were just for fun, and I had no idea of language of photographic history until I started studying with Carlos Moreira. Before that, I just knew Cartier Bresson, Capa, Salgado, and you know, that was that. So you was yeah. would I be wrong in saying you first initially started on film? Is that correct? Or was yeah, it always yeah, did? Yeah. And how have you found yeah, that? How did you find that, Gustavo? Like the transition from film to to digital, because it is very different, and you know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there, there wasn't a tr uh, transition, I would say, because I started photographing with film by two thousand, mm -hmm. and then okay, I photographed with film until two thousand five when I was in London, and then for a couple of years, I just don't remember even picking a camera, and then in two thousand seven, I bought a. Nikon D80, you know, mm -hmm. very basic one. And yeah, of course. So there wasn't a transition. And then I just, you know, was, I just got into digital, the digital world and I got very excited about it because I suddenly I could do long exposures, multiple yeah. exposures, and I could, you know, do crazy colors on Photoshop. And of course, I did a lot of shit at that time. <laughs> I photographed everything. I tried macro and I bought some. Yeah, I took a lot of portraits of my then girlfriend and I tried long exposures at night. I would photograph myself in my room. Just I was very fascinated by the possibilities of digital and those some people. <laughs> and of course I did a lot of terrible work by that time. <laughs> but but that's the beauty of I could that's do a, anything. <laughs> yeah, but that's the beauty of digital, isn't it? You, it doesn't really cost you anything to experiment. You oh, know, yeah. like when you yeah. when you're shooting film now, ooh, you know, you've got to be careful about what you want to shoot because it's gonna cost the old dollars, isn't it? But with yeah. digital, if it doesn't work, man, it just goes on a hard drive or in the bin. 
You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. And I just want to touch on one thing that you said in your when you were explaining your journey, Gustavo. You mentioned about, sure. you know, becoming a journalist and you, you loved writing and it it dulled your passion for that a little bit because it became a job. How do you how do you keep now there's lots of people saying like you're a fantastic photographer, go out there and make some money from photography, do what you love. Okay. How do how do you keep that separate to keep the passion to, to keep the passion and not it for it to become a job? Okay, yeah, well, well yeah, as I as I was talking before we started recording, I, I have a very stable job in Brazil as a journalist. I work for the government company, so I cannot be fired. So this is a very stable as, as, Lucky stable you. as can get in Brazil. Yeah. <laughs> so and I have a daughter to raise and I have a family, so I'm not brave enough to okay, I'll just quit my job and I'll try to be a professional for the journalist because you know things are not easy in Brazil. So I have this stability here. And then because I have to work seven hours a day in this very steady job, when I leave my my work, of course, I, I feel like going to the streets every single day because, yeah. you know, wow, now I do something that is just for myself. I think, yeah. I think this, this routine just kind of keeps my passion alive. And now and then I do some freelance work uh, as a photojournalist. I work mainly yeah. for Bloomberg and now and then for getting images, doing some, just covering some politics because I'm in Brasilia, but now and then I shoot mm. some carnival or other things like that. But when I have these assignments, I get very excited about them because they, they don't happen every they don't happen every week. So I, mm. you know, and for me it's okay. always a possibility to to do some street photography. For example, in April I went to São Paulo to cover the carnival, you know, the carnival parade with the big Sunday schools. Forget the images, but this was a completely new world. It was very fascinating because mm. I had never been to one of these parades and. You know, there was all the backstage that I that I, I couldn't imagine how it was, and so, you know, in, in the intervals, in the gaps between one school and another, I, I shot a lot of street photography back there. Yeah. The light was fantastic, lots of neon lights, and and of course, I did my job. I, I delivered all the uh, the pictures I was supposed to deliver, but at the same time, as you know, yeah. photojournalism yeah. takes me to some places which are, are new for me. So. Oh, photographing a carnival must have been awesome, mate. You must have been like a kid in a lolly shop. Yeah, it was interesting. <laughs> but at the same time, it was very stress- stressful because, you know, there were two of them for working for Getty Images and then each school had one hour to, mm. to the parade and then, you know, you would do one school and then you would come back and and transmit the pictures and then I would transmit the pictures in half an hour and then I had half an hour for shooting by myself and then, then I had to shoot in another school, and 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 the thing is that the parades they start very late at night, like 10 p.m. Yeah, and then they end up at 7 a.m. in the morning. So mm. the next week I was very feeling completely like shit, and very ill, <laughs> yes. and I had a terrible flu. I, I couldn't sleep when I got home yeah. at 7:30 a.m. So it yeah. was crazy, a lot of adrenaline. And, but yeah, it was a good experience. I would do it again probably. <laughs> <laughs> Just quickly on a personal note, I know what it's like because my uh, my sister-in-law was the Samba Queen uh, oh, yeah? some years ago of Australia, and she took a troop over there for the Carnival. So, uh, yeah, oh, I can. <laughs> I, know, I know it's mad. It's mad over there. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know why they do this. They could start perfectly at, at 5 oh, yeah. p.m. Or, no. Yeah, no. it should be much better with the sunset. But then, yeah, it is what have. it is. It is what it is. <laughs> yeah. Gustavo, I've read that um, you said Brasilia, where you live, is a challenging city for street photography. Why is that? Yeah, 
Um, because, you know, it's a city planned to be the capital of Brazil until the 60s. The, the capital was Rio de Janeiro, and then they decided to centralize the capital in the half of Brazil. So it's it's a place of Brazil where there wasn't much happening, and they just decided to bring everything here. So mm. the city planned and planned by Niemeyer and Lucio Costa, which are two famous architects here. So... You, you know, it's nice and neat and very well organized, but then everything's a bit distant, distant so mm. everyone had have, have to be on their cars to, to go to the places. And it's, it's, it's a very different, it's different from any other place in the world. So mm. it's challenging because you, you don't, you know, we don't have sidewalks, for example, we don't have corners, we have like this. Oh. Yeah, it, it's, it's hard to explain. <laughs> so the, the, the bus station where I, I, I shoot mostly here is the only place where I can find some energy and some flux of people. And yeah, now and then I, I still try to, to photograph in other areas, but you you know, sometimes you have to wait for half an hour and see this perfect situation. Light here is great, you have, but then you have to wait a lot. And, and sometimes you, you can wait for half an hour and nothing will happen. So it's very frustrating at times, but... I don't know. I, I think that Brasilia eventually made me a, a better photographer, especially because of the bus station, mm. which is the only place that I basically the only place in which I photograph. And I, I've probably been there nearly 1,000 times since 2014. So, wow. you know, because I had to photograph the same place over and over and over, I think this made me grow as a photographer. And mm. I had to try many different things and I was still experimenting there. We have struck gold with the, the bus stop project. Just absolutely phenomenal, mind-blowing work. I, I absolutely adore it. So you said you've been shooting since 2014. Is that project still ongoing? Where do you see it going? And, and um, yeah. do you think it's you've got an end date on that? Or I had no other option because, as, as I said, the only place is the most interesting place in Brazil. So I think that as long as I live here, I'll keep shooting there. Yeah, nice. This has been exhibited in Uruguay mm. and an exhibition here as well. This was published by Bumper Books by David Solomons, but I still don't feel like doing a book about it because then this would be maybe the end. And so, mm. yeah, now I, <laughs> I was there yesterday. I was there on Monday. So, <laughs> and and also because this is my life, you know, I have to pass by. It's it's not that I'm going there just to shoot, but because it's part of my routine, I always I'm always passing by by the bus stop. To, to go to work and yeah i think that as as long as i live here i'll keep shooting you could always release a book and just call it part one gustav yeah <laughs> the start yeah. of the trip <laughs> well i was listening to an interview with alex webb the other day and he was mentioning his his book in in mexico and 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 he said that something that was very, very interesting and resonated with me he said that oh i didn't do a book about mexico in 30 years because I felt that if I did a book, then, you know, I wouldn't have the same energy to go back to Mexico and keep shooting, mm, yeah. you know, when then, when then we released La Calle point. and he hasn't be, been back to Mexico since then because, you know, we, now he has a book about it. And mm. Yeah, I, I kind of feel the same. So I, I just want to ask you on that. So you, you said that your salvation was your bus station living in an architecturally designed paradise of a city. 
by architects. You know what I mean? Which doesn't make make it great for living. It might look good on paper, but you know, and and very functional, yeah. but no, not particularly. No, it's good for living. It's just not good for street photography. I mean, all right, all right. Like Switzerland, or, yeah. you know, we should have consulted you first. <laughs> <laughs> Next time, if you're out there, consult Gustavo before you build any cities. Um, yeah. Now your work is very varied, and I have to say. You seem to have a lot of strings to your bow, Gustavo. You seem to be awesome at everything, but you do. But you are well known, especially for your bus for your bus station work. Reflections are heavily uh, integrated into that project. Like, how did you get into noticing reflections? Because it's not for everybody. Not everybody does it, and it's quite difficult to do. Was it the challenge, or were you inspired by someone that you saw, or another photographer, or what what led you down that path, Gustavo? I think it's a it's a mix of different factors. For example, I was I always I don't know not always, but I was I'm a fan of Pinkasov, which explores mm-hmm. reflections a lot, and I also love Saul Leiter's work, and he explores mm-hmm. reflections a lot as well. And so I think I had this in the back of my mind, but I couldn't find so many reflections in my life. Then when I, when I got to the bus station and then I saw all those buses and all those cafes, and because of the architecture and in the bus station, we have this dark background and the light. It's fantastic, as, I, as you can see in the pictures, because we don't have like tall buildings around the top. So in the sunset and at dawn, the light is always great. And mm. and there were, there were so many glasses. And when I got there, and one day, was a bit cloudy and then I just saw this 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 bus leaving the station and I decided to photograph the driver as he was leaving the station with, with his bus and then when I photographed him I realized that I could saw that I could see a lot of people just mm-hmm. waiting on the upper platform and then I realized that I was photographing not only what was in front of me but also what was in mm-hmm. my back so wow. this was like a, okay so I'm doing like 360 degrees pictures and then yeah. I just got obsessed about it and then I just started looking for reflections all the parts and I realized that with reflection there's this tricky game in which every inch you move every centimeter you move the, the relationship between all the elements they change yeah. all the time and you know you know if someone casts a shadow on the glass it, it reveals what's inside so I got totally obsessed about this process and so now, now and then I have to, to tell myself okay you know <laughs> Let's do other things. You know, it's very addictive. Yeah, yeah, it is. So, so you're saying just by taking a photo of a bus driver, that was the light bulb moment for you. It like opened up a whole new world, purely almost by chance. Even though you might have been aware of it, like you like you mentioned, Saul Lider, you've studied his work or you've looked at his work. It was just that moment where you got a photo and went, "Wow, there's there's something else there." Isn't that amazing? That's the interesting thing. Yeah, yeah, and and I just. Touching on that because you do get quite close to people on the in the bus station, and when you go and do reflections, often there's other people on the side of the glass, and you can get really close. You know, I've had a yeah. bit of a run in with a bikey person here doing that. It wasn't good. It ended. It ended well, but it, it wasn't good at the time. I was packing my pants, and I wasn't taking a photo of him. I was taking a reflection of glass. And then when I took it away, I realised that I was literally about a foot and a half from him. Um, not good. Um, but how, how have you found photographing? How do people in Brazil accept you putting the camera that close to them? Even if you're not necessarily photographing them, you're photographing off the glass, but you're literally no. with somebody on the so- other side of that. How, how did they take that? 
Yeah, I think it's getting better all the time, especially now after after so all this social media and people wanting wanting to to get famous. People on the bus mm. station now they they they, they always stop me and okay, can you take a picture of me? So people are generally friendly. It's not like <laughs> oh, that's good. Europe. But when someone is taking their breakfast and behind the glass, and if I get very close to the glass, I think they tend to okay, this, this cannot be about me. And for example, I have this one of my better known photos is of, of a couple having breakfast, and then there's this silhouette behind me, which shows in the picture as well. And I was like inches away from them, and I, I have like 30 pictures of this scene. And the guy says, oh, okay, you just keep having my breakfast. And, I don't know, maybe they're too tired or it's just very early in the morning. They, you know, some, some people come to me and they say, oh, okay, what were you doing? I have some bad reactions now and then, but I, I can deal well with this. And mm-hmm. yeah, it's not a big problem. I, I guess you just show them your yeah. work and that answers everything, really. Yeah. And they go, oh. Yeah, and, 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 <laughs> and, and I always have this excuse and what, what are you doing there? And I, I'm, I'm trying to shoot the reflections of the sun on the glass. And it makes sense if people, people yeah. can always see that the sun is on the glass. So yeah, and it's not a, a total lie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. A, a <laughs> Don't let the truth get in the way of a lie yeah, or the lie getting in the yeah. truth or whatever. Yeah, awesome. Well, you have a very distinctive style, as we've been discussing. You've honed it over a number of years and taken bits and pieces from past masters. If anyone's listening to this today, just getting into street photography, how would you, or how would you advise them that they would go about honing their particular style? Okay, I think that the style is a mix of what you photograph with how you photograph. So, of course, having influences, having you know, studying the, the history of, of photography is very important. Not because you, you're going you're going to copy these guys, but because you know, studying photo books and other photographers, they just teach you how to react to different light situations, the different situations that are that happen in front of you. So, the more you study, you know, the you have different strategies to react to reality. But then, on top of this, there are these themes that really drag your attention and. You know, for me, I wasn't aware of what catch my attention until I, I photographed it for a couple of years or three years. But then the more you photograph and of course, then you start to, to look at your own pictures and you start to realize that you have these repetitive elements. And yeah, I think you don't, there's no, not a big secret, but you have to photograph a lot and you have to, mm. you know, have some backgrounding, some references, of course. Yeah. Well, like you said yourself, Gustavo, you just got to shoot lots of different things, don't you, and find out what works. Yeah. 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 For, for example, this happened to me with, with Harry Gruyere when I, when I took that course with Carlos Moreira, and he showed me a book by Gruyere in the second semester of the course. And until then, we had only seen you know the black and white guys. And when I saw Harry Gruyere's work, and then, okay, this is... His, his light looks like the light that we have in Brazil and is much more contemporary. I cannot, Sao Paulo is not Paris, uh, so I cannot be a Bresson or a Curtis or a Robert mm. Frank. But, but I can kind of <laughs> follow in the path of Greer and then yeah. uh, because the light was very similar and those colors were, they really touched me in a different way. So yeah, I, I studied his, his work a lot. I bought two books that were available back then. Lumière Blanche and then his photo potion and you know these were the only photo books that I had back then. So Gustavo, I just want to ask you. Mark asked a great question about um, you know where where new photographers start and how do they get their voice. Now you've been a judge. Now after you've started to 
take photos and you you pop them on social media often you get like are you going to start entering competitions now you've been a judge and on on many on many different uh, photography competitions both locally and internationally um do you think street photography is becoming more homogenous these days like is is the quality is it all starting to look the same um is the quality always there and i have a very important question for you what do you look for what are you looking for for the people out there when they're entering a competition because it's very different to posting an image online yeah i mean you have two questions here so about regarding the quality i, I think mm. there are still great street photographers doing their work and yeah mm. contemporary and new ones emerging every day and there's still a lot of quality but i think instagram is a problem because nowadays it's uh, you know photographers who are very have very graphic pictures and very simple pictures with you know some strong compositions and you know photos that are easy to read these photographers tend to stand out on instagram and then instagram is kind of you know the role for success nowadays which mm. of course instagram can can be a good tool if you if you know how to use it and of course there are great names but you know the fact that we're seeing all these pictures in a tiny screen this doesn't help so yeah, I think there are still great photographers, but yeah, I don't know. There's this, this formula, kind of formula that, that's working. And about the rega regarding being a judge, mm -hmm. it's really complicated because for, you have to take a look at 2,000 pictures, for example, for, for the last yeah. Miami wow. that I judged. And so, yeah, it's a lot. And, after 100 pictures, you get very tired. But when you see a good one, you really recognize it. And, yeah. and it's hard to predict what, what's going to call your attention. For me, it's, you know, when, you, when you're when you checking photos very quickly and you see one in which, you know, there's some balance and everything is, is in the right place and everything just works and you stop. And then, okay, there's something here. And then you try to scrutinize it and try to, okay, why is this working? graphically and and then if there's something beyond just this, beyond the form the content then okay this is a great one i think that's always this mix of great content and composition just just and touching on that gustavo because we all yeah. we're all human we all know what we like and what we don't like and what grabs our attention and what doesn't grab our attention how do you how do you manage to stay impartial and try to look beyond what you what you put your personal preferences are in a competition that you may be able to see the strength of an image that may not be you, what you personally like. Do you how how do you stay that? Is that difficult to do or uh, it's not difficult because in fact I like a lot of pictures that are totally different from my style. For example, I yeah. love black and white background, mm. black and white photography, and I'm not very good at doing it. I love some portrait portraits, and I'm not very good at doing it either. So. You know, there, there are photographers which I absolutely love and better than are totally different from, from my own work. Mm -hmm. And then okay, I wish I could do something like these guys, but then my work is totally <laughs> different. And I cannot I cannot do my work differently. Now and then I, I you know I try, I try to do some portraits, I try to, I try to shoot with flash and I, I like to to push myself a bit, especially mm -hmm. when the light's different. But then so it's not not so challenging because okay. you, you know, especially in this style that I shoot with with harsh shadows, and, and this is something that's it's very widely used in street photography. It's not 
not something that's so exclusive of me, the reflections and, you know, the harsh light and shadows things, something that Alex Webb did and many, many other photographers yeah. do nowadays. So I try to put some sauce and I try to diversify my work a bit, but I'm totally aware that something that, okay, it's been done before many, many times. And Well, you mentioned um, Deep Shadows highlights. Your book in 2019, which you released, was called Maximum Shadow, Minimal Light. How long did uh, that take to all come together? So... What happened is that because of my buzz station project, it kind of circulated a bit and was, I think it was featured in some online newsletter. And then in 2017 or 16, my, my publisher in Austria just received one of those newsletter. And, and because he had lived in Brazil in the 70s, he was a geo photographer for, for the geo magazine. And then I think he, he felt nostalgic about Brazil and he saw my work and buzz station. Oh, there's this guy, young guy kind of young guy doing something in Brazil and then he just got in touch with me and okay I want to do uh, I just saw your bus station pictures and I really like them I want to see more of your work and I just sent him my website and then okay I want to do a book about your, your work and it took me a long time until I could believe it because okay this guy is gonna ask me some money at some point it's not possible that someone in Austria went to, to publish a book with my work just out of the blue but <laughs> it was like a dream come true that that's what really happened in wow. 2017 he flew me to Austria and I spent a week there uh, I took 900 pictures <laughs> from my archives and the edition pro process was very straightforward in the first round we, we took a look at these 900 pictures and we would give one star to the one that we really liked and then after this first round we had like 400 and then the second round we would give two stars until we got to 95 images with five stars and okay and then okay and then he was very you know quick and there wasn't much thinking about okay i, I like these 95 pictures i want all of them in this book it's more like a monography there there is no story Telling is not something you know. It's not conceptual. It's just mm. a, call, a selection of my best work, a best of I think. And then yeah, he tried to sequence then, and and his his idea about sequencing is that we should always try to to surprise the viewer. For example, if you have one picture with a reflection, the next one cannot be a reflection, mm -hmm. and then we have this very busy picture, and the next one can be a bit calmer. So it's always about trying to. You know to break the expectations which is very difficult because we have 95 features and I, I i tend to repeat myself a lot too but yeah don't we all yeah I, I cannot see my picture at just one one session you know when, when i try to see it I, you know, it takes me like three sessions to, to see the whole thing <laughs> well sometimes i think you need a, a proper publisher to be able to help you with that because uh what they're seeing how they see the work coming together is very different to how um, that's their profession. You know, they, they know how layouts work and et cetera. But I want to touch on that, Gustavo, because I bought your book because it it was it's beautiful, by the way. And it must have been very exciting to get a collection of your work published. Um, but what were the challenges in get? Well, you spoke to some of them, but can I just want say as a say as a person who bought this book and was very excited to get it, as a customer, I have to say that your images, a lot of them are, are landscape images. They're not portrait images. And I found it, I found it hugely as a, as a buyer that your, your work was split by the spine. Um, yeah. and 
you know, and and this is the pro- I guess my question is, and I don't want to put you in a bit of a difficult situation, but for me as a person who bought the book to look at images, I found it a bit disappointing that your beautiful work was split by a spine. And um, yeah, me too. Yeah, that'd be I, I, <laughs> so, what, did, did you have any con, and I, look, I know it's wonderful to be published and it's fantastic and I'm really glad that I've got your book and yeah. I love looking at it and you know it inspires me to looking at it but how, like, what sort of control as an artist do you have because you're all excited that you're going to get published everybody wants to get their work out there but what sort of yeah. issues and, and challenges did you face to be able to Okay, 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 about man. this, about the, yeah, about the, this double spread thing. Yeah. I just got there and then I, I could have chosen a landscape one, but then he said, okay, we have this visual poetry collection. They had released mm. a book by Emil Gatalin, the, the Russian guy, which is great, fantastic work as well. And then he showed me Emil's book and it was just like mine. And okay, they, they kind of open, the book kind of opens well if you compare it to other books and I yeah, think it's it well does. done. And then, but I, but then I was so excited about it and I didn't think a lot about it. Okay, let's let's keep it the same. And now, now they released the book by Raul Canibanho. It's a Cuban guy. It's another great mm. classic, like and white word and it's the same thing. So, they, you know, all the books are in the same collection, but then I, I couldn't, I could have been more, you know, no, I don't want this at all. Mm. <laughs> and then after it was released, of course, now I read, I re- totally regret it. And the next one, I'm going to have it in a, in a landscape format. But the thing is that most of the publishers, they like to work with, mm. you know, vertical format because they said that's easier to, to carry home and it's easier to, you know, to have them on, on bookstores and, it's more practical, you know. So, so if you if you talk with different publishers, they're all gonna tell you, okay, yeah. this because you know it's it's a nicer format to, to carry around. Mm. But yeah, it's not it's not ideal for seeing the photos, definitely. No, so so it's but a learning. As I said, I was to, I was very excited coming from Brazil and going <laughs> yeah. to Austria yeah. and having my first book. And okay, do what you want. Yeah, yeah of course. Yeah, <laughs> was my yeah. first one. But you live and learn, don't you? It's a it's a learning process. But in yeah. saying that, Gustavo, the image is still a very, very strong. So, you know, I, I don't regret buying it for a second. It's awesome. <laughs> I'm glad to know. But it, I had this, I had the same, you know, on Amazon Germany. It's on Amazon Germany, and then people can write some reviews. And then I have this, you know, this customer's review saying the same thing. And I feel the same as well. I okay. <laughs> anyway, it's great, to, it's great to get your work out there. They're all the same now, isn't it? Yeah. But if you look at Alex Webb's book, for example, books, for example, any of them, they, there's the same problem. Many great books are the same. And mm. whenever I see a book like this, I don't know why. Why they do this? Oh, never mind. I love it anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, mate. Well, um, this next question might follow on in a sense. Um, what lessons would you say that street photography has taught you? I imagine going to that bus stop over a thousand times may have taught you patience over the years, but yeah, what, what has street photo- uh, photography taught you over the years? Well, this is a very profound and deep question because, you know, it's a cliche that you do street photography to learn more about yourself and to, to learn, you know, how to relate with the world and how to talk to people. But, but for me, it's totally about it. I always consider myself a shy person and I'm still, I think I'm still a shy person if I'm in a, you know, in a public situation, a public occasion. And I, I don't know, because as I said, 
for me before photography was literature because i could i could never show the things that i i would write to other people because they were you know when you're writing something it's you know it's what you're writing you know it's very it's much more i I would feel naked with, with literature if I, if I had to publish a book. But with photography, you kind of express yourself, but then you're expressing it in a more slanted way. You know, it's not it's much more subtle. You're still expressing yourself and saying things about yourself and about how you see the, the things, but they're not so direct. They're more, mm. you know, it's still very personal, but it's more, you know, I don't feel naked with showing my photographs the same way I would feel with literature. Yeah, yeah. And I don't know, I just learned a lot about how, how to deal with people. And I don't know, I don't know, it just feels good for me to to go out and wander the streets with an empty mind and just watching other people's lives and not not thinking about my, my, my own life. And it just keeps me more glued to the reality. And, and of course, I... I Street photography makes me skip this bubble. Otherwise, I would just, you know, come home to work, and so it makes my, my it just gives me a sense of adventure, adventure in my own life. Because, mm. yeah. yeah, and I really need this, you know, because having this this life, this, you know, this working man life and having a family sometimes this can be very a bit boring. Mm. Of course, I love my family, and but yeah. <laughs> how the team feels I, and so street photography feels this space in my life and of course now and then I, I travel and I spend 10 days out of home just photographing or teaching workshops and I really need this too I, just touching on that about your life like you can see quite clearly and by your work and also by talking to you there uh, street photography is a passion for you but how do you go about balancing that passion with your everyday life your job your wife your child uh just fitting because i know i know myself and mark we try to pump as much time as we have into it but we also have a life do you know what i mean how, how do you balance that and uh happy wife happy life sort of area <laughs> luckily i have a very understanding wife Good. she's very understanding now and then of course we have some some fights about it okay you're, you're dedicating too much to photography but she's really she really gets excited about my achievements and because mm. now and then i take her with me in the travels for example so so she gets happy and i'm happy and, and yeah so but, but yeah she's a, a great person and i know some i have some friends which cannot do the same because of their wife their wives are more demanding in the sense and my wife is very understanding. And of course, I had my daughter in 2015 and in the first year she wouldn't go to school and my wife would go to work and then in the mornings I took care of my daughter mm -hmm. for the first one year and a half. So I didn't shoot for one year and a half in the mornings. I just spent all the mornings in her first years with her. So, and then after that, she started going to school. And with my work, I think I commented this before the, the started recording it as well and i work for this public company and then of course i do my i deliver my work but i still have a lot of free time because i you know i have these gaps and yeah. then in this gap time some social media and i watch some youtube videos and i try to study photography when i'm working i'm always connected with photography it doesn't matter if i'm doing street photography or not but i'm always thinking about it so yeah and then I dream, I dream, I literally dream that I'm photographing and then I wake up, okay, uh, I don't have the picture, I feel a bit frustrated. But yeah, maybe uh, I'm a bit, ex 
you know, I exaggerate a bit. I, I'm over, maybe I'm a bit over obsessed about it, but yeah, it's it's for me it's very problematic because if it's sunny outside and I cannot just chill out at home. If there's a barbecue <laughs> with friends and if we're having some beers, and okay, I'll just stop drinking and I have to go out because I cannot miss it. So, <laughs> just touching on that, yeah, though, that, that's a, that said, I, I still have a social life. And oh, I don't good. <laughs> good. But I want to ask you something because my wife gets very angry with me when we're together and we go out, and I always yeah. have a camera with me. It doesn't matter. I'm a Fuji shooter, but I have I also have a Ricoh GR. So if we go anywhere, the Ricoh GR goes in my pocket generally because it's a pocketable camera uh-huh. but she gets incredibly angry with me because i cannot switch off if we're just walking down the street or going yeah. somewhere and i see something fantastic i have to photograph it and she gets so annoyed with me do you have the same issues what about on like, holiday can, do, yeah. do you put the oh, camera away on a, totally. on a family holiday yeah <laughs> no i don't put i never put the camera away you know. Not even on family holidays, but then I just tend to shoot when the light is great. So my yeah. my wife kind of knows that from six a.m. to eight a.m. and then from five p.m. to seven p.m. I'll be totally focused on photography. So the rest of the day I tend to be fine. Like if it's midday, and yeah, I, I take a picture here and there, but then I I can chill on the beach and I can do some sightseeing if we're traveling. But then, for example, when you, you, you went to New York together in 2019, and mm. then I would get up at 6 a.m. and she, she sleeps a lot. So I would shoot for a couple of hours and I would come back and have a second breakfast with her. And then I, I, well, I get I'm very excited and energetic. Okay, let, let's keep doing it. And don't feel tired because I, I, I had shot in the morning. So this kind of fuels my energy. And, and then she knows yeah. that late afternoons, yeah, I'll just... Tell You've her, had your okay, photography fixed. You have to visit that that department store. Well, I'm <laughs> yeah, <sure>. yeah. <laughs> but early in the morning when she's asleep, you've had your photography fix yeah. for the day. Yeah, yeah. at least yeah, yeah, you've had your shot. <laughs> uh, that's amazing. So, out of all the cities that you photographed and visited, uh, what would be your favorite and why, Gustavo? Uh, Alfana. It's a cliche against. No, I know, I know, but come on, yeah. It's so fantastic because there's so much life going on in the streets and it's safe even at 3 a.m. and people are friendly, friendly and you have this all this patina of time. It's very challenging at the same time because it's so cliche, you know, it's a lot of great work has been done there. But then I think that I got lucky because when I went there in 2018, there was this cold from this very cold week it was early January with winter there and then there was this cold front coming from Miami so it was a very you know gray and cold week when I was there so I had to spend a lot of time in the bars with the locals mm-hmm. and because I had a, I hadn't brought with me proper jacket so I had just only this sweater and I felt very, I felt very cold in Cuba <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's bad, but it's true so yeah and I had to spend a lot of time in the bars and they're they're very into politics and Lula the, the former Brazilian president was about to be arrested here so they were very curious about the whole situation everyone in Cuba wanted to talk about politics so this started a lot, a lot of conversation and I had brought some Brazilian nerds which they didn't have access to in Cuba so this was always this was oh, also nice. a way of starting a conversation and having a drink and smoking those cigars. So I had a great time, really great time spending some time, some time with them in the bars. So my experience was a bit different. And of course, I, I look at for, you know, the, the, the sunny environments, the, the photos taken by Webb and by David Allen Harvey, but 
I also did something which is slightly different because it was so cold and mm. I had this more personal experience there. But I want to go back in the summer as well. But I just want to touch yeah. on that as well. Did I, I could be wrong because it was just fleeting. But Anna, did I see you advertising that you're going to be doing some photo workshops overseas? Yeah, in Spain. Mm. So, next, I'm, I'm flying next week on Wednesday to, to oh, Spain. Yeah. And I'll be doing one in Valencia and then another one in Madrid with Gustavo Bravo, which is a teacher in Madrid photographer and then another one with Robert Tomas which is a teacher in Barcelona yeah. and this all came from this this you know this live interviews as we're doing here during the pandemic because you know, I got many invitations from you know, people <laughs> okay you want to do this chat online online chat with me and I got to I got to know these guys because of this live and yeah and when the pandemic started to fade and they just got in touch okay you want to we had this talking about, oh, maybe we will do a workshop one day. And I just decided to go to, right. to Valencia first because there was this invitation from this guy who really wanted to organize. And then after, okay, I decided to go to Valencia. And then I just got in touch with this guy in Barcelona. Okay, well, let's do one and with this guy in Madrid. And I really love, I really prefer sharing workshops. I don't like, like being the, whole, the central figure and just right. being totally about myself because I get tired of, of just me, myself speaking. So... For me, this is ideal ship. I don't mind if I'm making less money as long as I really like to divide the attention. It's not about the money and, and yeah, you don't want to be in the spot. No. It's difficult, isn't it? You don't want to be in the spotlight all the time, do you? No, so, what no. pe- <laughs> so have they been fairly successful? Has there been a big uptake, Gustavo, and people joining you over there? Barcelona and Madrid are sold out, so yeah, this is great more than I, I had expected. And basically, Fabulous. I just I just show a bit of my work and I show my you know, my initial work from the early 2010s and then how I developed my style and how I, was, I evolved as a photographer. And I love to show my references and I, like, I prefer to talk about my references and who were the guys which influenced me. But of course, the people are curious about my work. So yeah, yeah I, I show some pictures and then I, I, I try to talk about how I did them. And I show some compact sheets as well. I think this is very clarifying when you yeah. see 30 pictures until I got to the final one. And yeah, yeah I try to be very direct and straightforward and I, I really like sharing my knowledge. And then of course after this we have we have some portfolio reviews with the students. I think most of them mm-hmm. just you know are very interested in this part. And then we do one of these photo walks which right. I find a bit boring and not boring, but I'm not sure if they they're a good way of, of shooting because you're yeah. you're in this group of ten people yeah. trying to do the same kind of picture. But yeah, yeah. it's hard if to. Yeah. Then, I think it's hard to take a good photo on a photo walk. I, f- I find. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you got ten people lined up, yeah. and the poor person's just walking through. And the da, 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 da. yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, terrible. But you know, it's an important part as well. You know, it is what it is. People want to see it. Yeah. People want to participate in that. You know <laughs> what I mean? So it's just something you have to do. You know? Yeah. Oh, Gustavo! Look, it's been an absolute privilege um, having a chat with you today. I huge admirer of your work so really really pleased to be able to meet you and speak to you and just in closing we ask this question to all of our guests who come on to the street life podcast apart from the city you're living in now if you could shoot in any city tomorrow jump on a plane where would you go and why i'm gonna say cuba aren't tokyo. <laughs> tokyo, tokyo tokyo looks very interesting and very totally different and i think it would be mind-blowing because i cannot read anything and i don't like japanese food at all and i think this would be the <laughs> 
the craziest, <laughs> <laughs> you know, in, in terms of really messing with my mind and, and breaking my expectations. I think yeah, this is the first city that, that came to my mind. Hmm. But then, yeah, I have a huge list. Of, of course, Istanbul was on my list and New York again. And yeah, I see there, I see some fairies work as well. <laughs> oh, yeah. And the lighting of straight up. Yeah. Terrific. Yeah, well, we want to go one day too. <laughs> well, if you'd be welcome anytime, Gustavo, and if you do find yourself in the uh, land down under, uh, please look us up because we'd love to show you around. We yeah. both live in separate cities. Uh, I'm in Adelaide. Yeah. Uh, Mark's in Melbourne. Yeah, so if you ever find yourself in Australia, please look us up. We'd be more than happy to to uh, show you around and take you out. Perfect. Perfect. Maybe one workshop as well. <laughs> 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 that, that's how I'm managing to travel around the world because you know our, our currency, as I said, is, is yeah the rates are so low nowadays. So for me to buy an euro is very expensive. So I have to do some work so I can go to Europe and shoot in different places. Well, that's something we can that's collab not... with. We'll look into that, Gustavo. <laughs> we'll, we'll be in contact. We can talk about that later. Please. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks so much for joining us, Gustavo, and and taking some time. I know it's late in Brazil, and you've got an early start tomorrow morning. So. Um, Thank you for joining us on Street Life and taking a risk on two Aussie dudes who are doing a street podcast. Thanks very much, man. Thanks very much, guys. It was a pleasure for me talking to you and getting to know you better. And yeah, sorry for my English. No, 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 no. Yeah. For me, it's even, harder to, it's even hard to express myself in Portuguese when I try to translate it and talk at the same time. No. No, please don't apologize. We're, we're the English, ignorant English-speaking people here. You know what I mean? Like, your English is fabulous, mate. Thanks so much, Gustavo. It's been a pleasure, my friend. Thanks a million. Thanks, mate. Bye-bye. Bye.